Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. I love your vacation home. How much time do you spend here? As much as we want. And when we're not using it, we rent it out. Our amazing team cares for and markets it on all the major booking sites. What team does all that? Picasa. They manage everything, and I see it all on my phone. Plus, they've been earning us over 20% more after I switched from my last property manager. Your vacation home earned you that much? It's not a vacation home. It's a Vacasa home. Get your free vacation income estimate to see how much your vacation home can earn you. Call 800-544-0300 or visit vacasa.com. We all know how severe storms can be. It's one reason we're investing in a more resilient power grid, using a balanced mix of hydro, solar, and nuclear power to deliver the carbon-free energy you need when you need it most. Georgia Power. Powering tomorrow, today. In life, you don't lose, you learn. Every one of us has potential. 100%. The winner is... Here we go, What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Coach Charles, with my man, Carlos, the creator. Oh, yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> We're so glad to have you back listening again. Another edition of Rebound and Rebuild. We have an mm-hmm. exciting one for you. And we're going to continue on some of the things that we were talking about last time. Uh, Carlos, tell us real quick, what are some of the thoughts? We were just thinking about this, even just discussing it. Mm-hmm. Well, we last week, just a reminder, we were talking about how... Uh, different strategies on rebounding from that pit, That's from right. that hole that we've uh, fallen into ourselves. We gave uh, different examples of what we've been doing and yeah. how we've gotten out of it. Um, but today, uh, this this week, we're talking about how we can start rebuilding. Yes, and different strategies on how do we do that? How do we do that? That's right. That's right. So if you're here listening and you've been through a little bit of a struggle or you're going through a place in your life where you're looking for that, uh, I should say rather that, that courage to get back up and start again to rebuild, I think this is going to be great for you. So mm-hmm. let's jump right in real quick. So first thought. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because sometimes you think of how do we, how do I start again? And this is, this is in general, like right. in life, um, wait, uh, someone passed a new career choice, business, that's business right. whatever. And it's like, how do I begin? Where do I start? <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> what you've been drinking over there, man. Um, but you know, most of the time we forget, we, we jump straight to the action. That's we right. J- jump straight to the going. That's right. And that's where we come to a conclusion that we'll fail again or we, right. well, because we didn't 
remember the first step. That's right. First step is you have to start with yourself. That's right. So we were talking about that pit and we mentioned that briefly in looking at oneself. You know, you have to assess the pit, but I think you also need to assess yourself. Mm. Ask yourself, what was it that led me to that pit? How did I get there in the first place? Mm. Uh, some of you may have failed that business. Maybe you've had a struggle with your marriage. May it be something personal, but you have to be honest. And we're challenging you to, to self-evaluate, self-reflect and start with you. But most importantly, start with you before you start again. Mm-hmm. Start with you before you start mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says it. I mean, we read in Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, uh, you know, we read how the Lord tells us that if we don't build our house, our foundation is not set on the That's rock, right. then, you know, a storm is going to come or it life will. is going to come and just knock us away. So the, the thing is, we need to make sure that when we start again, we start on solid ground. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, any builder knows this. If you're going to build a house, the foundation is the Paramount. priority. That's right. Paramount. If you don't have a good foundation, it doesn't matter what you build above it. That's right. It might look amazing. It might look great. But the first storm that comes in, your first um, screw up <laughs> right. deal is going to knock your business out of the yeah. ground. So first thing, start building your foundation, setting it up to where you can from there move up. Yeah, man. What are some things you would suggest, Carlos, if, if you were maybe even take it to your own personal life? You know, what are some things that you would suggest would be helpful at this very point in time to start? You know what? Um, I'm uh, what I call a dreamer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I call my wife a dream killer. Oh my gosh. And in a very loving sense, because that's the humor they have. Trust I me. just like, I, oh, we could, you know, we could. Now she's the more of the entrepreneur yeah, side than I strong, am, where yeah. she, she sees an eraser and she's like, what can we make a business out of this? Yes. Where I'm a little bit more like on the artistic side. Yes. So um, one of the things that I was always battling is like, well, I can do this and I can do this. And then it wouldn't go anywhere. That's right. And she was always like, okay, before you say you can yes. do something, yes, you need to make a plan. Yes, that's right. You need to sit down, strategize that's right. what you're going to do, how you're going to move forward, and what are the steps to get there. Yeah. I'm not, I didn't start business or businesses very easily. Okay. There was a lot of learning right. that I had to go through, but- in every, as I failed in here and there and in different things, I was able to turn it around, analyze myself, see what I was doing wrong. And most of the time I was realizing, oh, these are just ideas I'm That's having. Right. That's right. I'm not even laying it at, lay, laying a plan in front of me or in front of us. And we don't realize that we didn't take risk into factor. We didn't take That's right. the problems. That's right. And you know that there's a lot of weight in the cost and in the labor of it. That's right. You don't just start a business out of nothing and just be successful from yes. one day to another. Yes. It takes time. It takes a laboring process. That's and right. Me and my wife always say this. It's a, it's a, it's a baby that's, that's being right. birthed. Labor of love. And it takes, it's, it's. It's hard. <laughs> well, that's the difference, right, between dreamers and doers. And mm-hmm. I think that's what we're talking about. So for those of you trying to figure out, okay, what do I do? So I've fallen, I've failed. Or, and when we say fail, we're not talking about like you are a failure. It, it's really just us saying that you didn't meet the goal or maybe something mm-hmm. that uh, you know came in your life or happened that kept you from reaching the goal that you mm-hmm. wanted or either that you didn't even start. 
So the first thing is you have to start with a plan. And, and some of you, you've heard this before. You may have even said, I did. But we want to challenge you a little bit on that because a plan takes into consideration, just like Carlos says, the cost, mm-hmm. not just how much will it cost, like can I afford it? Mm-hmm. But the time, mm-hmm. the sacrifices, the energy, do I need manpower? Yeah. Do I need more of a certain resource or more education? You have to sit down and establish that first. And a lot of people get stuck in the first phase before, which I really call a pre-phase, and that's the ideation phase. That's where you got this dream and the idea, and it looks cool, and it sounds cool, and you can do this. And that's true. But this is where the real work starts. Mm-hmm. So especially if you've coming, you know, if you're coming off of something where you need to rebound, you're gonna really need to look back on what you experienced in that pit so that you don't find yourself back into it. Mm-hmm. And like uh, uh you know, uh, what's the guy's name? Mark Cuban, he always says you only have to be right once. So listen, try, try again. We get it. But this time try better. You know, you have more experience. You have more understanding. You have some wisdom mm-hmm. that comes along with what you've been through. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then, you know, when when you're going to start a plan, that's right. Figure out what is it that you're going to do. Right. What market are you going to tap that's into? Right. Who's your audience going right. to be? Um, so figure out what is, what, where is it that you're going? And then in your plan, figure out how much money you need for sure, it. Sure, that's right. The people that you need around you, who's going to help you? Who's Who are you going to rub shoulders with? Because yes. let me tell you, in this world, it's a lot of who you know. That's right. It's it's being at the right time, at the right place, and who you know. Um, so who are the people you're going to need? And then have you considered the amount of time that this yes. will take you? That's right. Me and my wife are about to start on a, a personal business. And um, we actually one. started another one. you killing yeah. them, man. And we're realizing, and we, we're just sitting down and we're like, okay, we have three kids under six. Yes. There are two of them are in school and one of them is a one-year-old. <laughs> and we're thinking, can we sacrifice yeah, time sure. that we could give to them to start a new venture? Right. All of that you need to keep into account because right. eventually it will get to you to a point where it'll have to... Either your family will sacrifice or the business will sacrifice. So once you calibrate your your state of being and you can say, okay, this is okay because this is the amount of time I can give my my business while being a parent, a full-time parent. That's right. right. So it's the time that you're going to – and then the sacrifices that you're going to make not only – uh, family sacrifices, but personal sacrifices yeah. where you're not going to be able to party every weekend or you. go on vacation right. every weekend, whatever. You're probably going to have to be working through the night, sure. uh, spending late nights, early mornings, and probably investing a lot of your money right at the top. It's like this meme I saw. It was hilarious. This guy, he gets in the car and basically it's like the moment that you realize that you're nine to five, that you just quit, just turn from nine to nine or nine to 10. <laughs> yeah. 24 <24/7. laughs> seven. You don't realize, Charles. But That's right. Yeah. You know, I had a job. Yeah. Uh, just six months, seven months ago, full-time job, yep. great benefits, yep. great company. Sure. I enjoyed my job. Sure. And on, on the side, my wife had businesses that yep. we I was supporting her and we were doing yes. together. But having that cushion of a yeah. full-time sure. is pretty nice. Sure. I'm not going to lie. Especially your full-time though. Exactly. <laughs> so- you know, you don't realize that you have such a nice cushion. So you do end up leaving work. And then, but with me, I was kind of used to because I was leaving one job to go to another job. That's right. 
And it was a constant cycle for years. Yeah. And I would always say, oh my gosh, like I need a break. <laughs> I need some time for me. Yeah. But time just wasn't coming until, you know, I would have to make time. Yeah, you have to make the decision. And, you know, going just side note on that, like it's okay to make time. Yes, it is. You know, sometimes you see all these like Wall Street people and all these businesses and you hear all these stories. I just uh, heard a podcast with Tony Robbins and okay. the owner of um, Peloton was oh, on Okay, there. Peloton. Okay. I don't know his name. Yeah. Uh, he sounds like a great guy. But anyway, he's telling me how he left because uh, he was working for, oh gosh, I don't know who he's working for, but some high tech company. Okay. You really paid attention. I got you. <laughs> I was listening as I was uh, taking care of my kids, Charles. <laughs> anyway, um, so he um, he's uh, going from um, from some company to start his own company, sure. and he's thinking, okay, you know, in my first year, I'm I need to make this amount of money right, right. because I want to keep my kids in private school and right. keep our house here in Manhattan and blah 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 blah. And I'm like, and he says, um, whiplash. <laughs> It doesn't really happen that way. That's right. You know, you plan for things to happen a certain right. way, but they really don't. Right, right. And and it's true. Sometimes you plan all these things and you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. But in reality, like the plan that you had wasn't sufficient uh, because it was it was an idea you were going right, with. The right. idea the of starting idea. this other right. venture and like, oh, it's going to be so successful. Right. When in reality, it will be successful. But you have to make a plan. That's right. To get to success. And to speak about that, because we started off by sharing that when we were talking about the introspection, what we're really trying to tell you is the true plan begins when you evaluate your state of being. When you look at yourself from the past failure or the hang up or the place that you didn't make it past and you say to yourself, you know, I got to be, I gotta, I gotta be honest. I have to take responsibility here. Or maybe it was my fault or maybe I didn't actually think it through. I just fell in love with the possibility and not the process. And then taking a step and saying, based on that, am I actually emotionally, spiritually, mentally ready to even take the next step for the next venture, mm -hmm. right? Because there's some healing that has to take place. And if it doesn't take place, you can go forward and create a lot of damage, mm -hmm. even if your intentions are good, but you mm -hmm. have maybe this area of unforgiveness or bitterness, or you're holding on to something that you're carrying into mm -hmm. something that's new and creative and exciting and good that can do, like I said, a lot of damage, not just in your life, but the people who would have been your greatest support system. But because you're not clear on it, you're creating these places where you're kind of like bleeding out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that I think, you know, hopefully you take from us. Use this time, if you have it, to really do that type of self-reflection before you just start putting your next idea down on paper. Mm -hmm. But when you do get to that point of putting it down on paper, you need to be specific. Yes, some ideas are on napkins. I've heard about that, and it does work. Sometimes you can write this great idea down on a napkin, but the real work starts when you start building out the process. And that mm -hmm. is like, what's my strengths, my weaknesses, opportunities, mm -hmm. threats, long-term? And we mm -hmm. were talking about that with sports. Mm -hmm. Because we're talking about athletics. So I was telling, I was asking Charles earlier, um, when it comes to your life as an Olympian or an athlete, a pro an athlete. athlete right. um, I didn't make the Olympics, guys. I, I tore my Achilles before. <laughs> I, I did qualify. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> but the preparation process, obviously, it takes time. So right. what, take what I was asking Charles, walk me through what yes. this process is. 
So maybe you could take something from this. I'll try to be very concise, but there's a process called periodization. And basically it's where you take a look at the long term, that's the macro, let's say a year. Okay, perfect example. And then you have mesocycles, which are in that year. So they could be a quarter, like in business, or it could be a certain amount of weeks. And you have micro. So then you got those days. What are you doing each day? So it's basically like taking your long-term goal. This is the plan I want. I want $10 million or I want to start and establish this building, the big overarching goal. And then you break it down into chunks and you break those chunks into smaller chunks until you get to your daily tasks that will help you move those along. And so really what you have now is a well-established, well-thought-out process of how you want to get the end mm-hmm. result that you want. Right. And we use that in athletics all the time, but it crosses over into business. It's the mm-hmm. same exact principle. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because we're as we're starting this new venture, I was yeah. like, oh, I really want to hear what this is about because you see your business in this yeah, you know, amazing Absolutely. fantasy world. Theory, like, out there. <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, we're going to do all of this and this is what's going to happen. But from this point to that point, yes. which it might. Right. And it will. Right. It takes, there's, there's steps there's that you steps. go through. That's and right. there are things that we're venturing in a new business that we really, um, we know a lot about, but there are a lot of, uh, sides of the business that we don't know about and nuances so um as we're going through the business we're learning how to get there and and kind of warping in this plan of like okay oh we didn't know that okay we need to do that or we didn't know how to do that and now we know um but to get there yes it takes and and i loved it when you said it was like a pyramid that's right like you just keep scaling yes up and up and up it was an inverted pyramid it's inverted that's right so it's like oh it's not a pyramid scheme no (laughs) it's a pyramid of a pyramid plan on your business and that's how you need to look at it that's right there's that big uh um overarching dream overarching dream of yours but you're starting down here that's right and there's nothing wrong nothing. with starting down here. That's where the adventure is. So the process from this point A to point Z yes. is what's to be appreciated. That's right. And that's where the learning and the growth happens. Because in this process, you will learn for your next venture. That's right. Your next business. Yeah. So now, now that you have a plan in place, sure. you've assessed the situation. You're the starting with market. you. Yep. You're building your foundation. And you're starting with a plan, not idea. That's right. Because your idea was birth at right. the start with you. Right. Now you have a plan of what realistically you can do and what it's going to take for you to move forward. Yes. The next thing is easy. Start the process. You have to start it. I think this is where it gets challenging because, and it happens to me all the time. I don't know if it happens to you, but it's easy for me to dream and say and plan. Right. right. But when push comes to shove, right. it's hard for me to- just push. Like push and shove. Go get it, man. <laughs> so I think the first thing when it starts, when when we're going to start our process is we need to believe in us. That's right. Believe that the success that you've seen. Right. And that, you know. In your vision. Arch, or the you're vision, right. your dream. You have to believe. That is yours. That that is yours. That's right. Even if you don't have it yet. And that's why it's a choice. We, we spoke about this a while ago. It, you have to choose to believe. I love that. You know, you think about, 
how many people are zealots about something they're really passionate about, whether it's a sports team, even some people with religion. You know, we're, we're religious people, but we're not religious fanatics. But my, mm-hmm. th- my thought is people can go so deep, man. Yeah. Like there is no convincing them otherwise, <laughs> point blank, period. We call those people like emphatic or crazy or whatever you want to call them, but those are the ones who are destined to do what they have decided to do Mm -hmm. because they made up in their mind, I don't care what you present to me, this is the way I'm going to go. And I've learned to respect those people, even when they're completely opposed to me because they're 100% clear on who who they are. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. What I am saying is they're convinced. Mm -hmm. They've chosen. Mm -hmm. You have to choose to believe. Yeah. And 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 I know it's harder, easier said than done. Yeah, I get it. But if you don't believe in yourself, that's right. Who is? That's right. If you don't believe that your business, your idea, your plan of action is yeah. going to succeed, yeah, nobody's going to do it for you, buddy. That's right. Let me let me let me tell you the truth. If you are not right now a hundred percent sure that where you're going or the or the concept of your new business, your new venture is going to strike gold, right? No one else is going to. That's right. In fact, there are going to be those that are believing you as a crazy, um, ridiculous person. Right. It's just not going to work. Right. And are you okay with that? That's exactly what I'm saying. If you're going to genuinely accomplish the next step or if you're Mm -hmm. really, truly serious about rebounding and rebuilding, then you're going to have to be the person that's okay with trailblazing. You're Mm going to have to be the person that's okay. I remember, so in our book, we have some concepts that kind of line up with this. And there's an African proverb that you may have heard. Everyone talks about it where they say, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Well, I'm like, well, that's a proverb, but we take it out of context so often. What it's trying to say is you need to be prepared for times of both. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be times where you have to go alone, yeah. and you have to and you have to just trust that people will see later down the road. Okay, I see the vision coming to pass. They'll come and partner, yeah. and they'll take that vision further with yeah. you than you could have gone by yourself. But it doesn't mean you need to have everyone support, and you need to have everyone pat you on the back. You need to have everyone tell you you can do it. <laughs> no, you don't need cheerleaders. Cheer for your daggum self. I almost cussed mm. on your show, <laughs> but seriously, cheer for yourself. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Clap for your daggum mm. self. That's what I really really subscribe to and it, it's it's a thing dude nowadays like yeah it's a it's actually a, a mimi generation yeah like, meme, it's all yep, about that's me. right mimi <laughs> uh but it's it's hard for us to be happy for ourselves for ourselves that's right because we we deal with comparison that's exactly right we deal with and this will bring us to the next point yep um when you believe in in you yep. believe in yourself believe in your vision but also believe that you belong that's right in this that's right in this industry space. wherever you're um starting your your dream in but believe that you are there and it's easy to feel intimidated that's right we as we're starting this new venture um we're uh we're we're opening up a space in in town and as we're dealing with the landlords, which they own a lot of uh, real estate, especially commercial real estate right. downtown, um, it can be a little intimidating sure. because the language and, and right. you know, the personas that they are, right. whatever. But you know what? Like, we've come in there um, trailblazing yeah. in our own lives and just kind of like, no. This is what we need. This is what this you is said. What we want. This, is what, this we is what we talked about. What's going on? Yeah. Long story short, we wanted one space. It was complicated. They were kind of throwing curveballs at us. Sure. Uh, great people. Sure. Great company. M- much respect. 
But it got to the point where I was like, no, this is what we talked about. This yes. is what was said. And you guys need to figure something out right? to either or we we just won't be here. That's right. And they figured something actually yeah, even absolutely. better for us, <laughs> uh, honoring the same price that we had originally talked That's about. That's right. But again, it's like... If I could have easily felt intimidated right. and, and just backed like, up, okay, well, no, I guess it's okay, it's fine, right. yeah, no worries. Right. Or they, I could have uh, paid double nope. or more nope. of what I was expected to pay, but I was like, no, I me and you here. are the same. Yeah, you have multiple That's offices right. in town, but I am a client here. That's and right. You like, we're and this peers. is my space. That's right. But it wasn't until I saw it that way. That's right. And maybe it was a little bit of fuel under my gut sure. there to to you know. Yes, get in there that's but right. but you have to believe that you belong that's right and it doesn't matter how many people do it better or how many people are at more successful at it zero believe that you belong in that circle that's in right that circumstance in that business or that industry that's right you're throwing yourself that's into. right and true man that's such a great truth because that that really is what it all boils down to the people that we oftentimes compare ourselves to or see the successes that they've had we're we're looking at their processes and we start getting intimidated well what's the difference yeah they just did it mm -hmm. there's no difference between you or them mm -hmm. in fact you're the same because you're doing it too yeah they just did it earlier <laughs> that's it mm-hmm so yeah, you guys, and when you walk into a room, man, believe you belong there. Because honestly speaking, that's the reason why those other people are there to begin with. Mm -hmm. They're all standing in a circle, convinced that they belong there. Mm -hmm. And if someone walks up, believes that they do, mm -hmm. well, welcome to the club. And then another point, as you're moving, moving in your process, let me tell you one thing. It's okay to be afraid. <laughs> yeah, do it afraid. And one of the things we've been talking about this Absolutely. whole time is do it afraid. Yep, do it anyway. But it's fine to be scared. Yeah. It's fine to to be nervous. It's fine to, I mean, it's not, you're not going to fail because you're scared. Right. You're going to fail because you didn't move forward. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. Exactly. And even though others, you see them more success, successful or others are building things in a different way, it doesn't matter how right. they do it. That's right. It matters that you stick to, to your, your plan. plan. That is right. It is your plan. I, man, that's so funny. When So, you, you know, Coach Charles here, we actually work with elite athletes. And I've had the pleasure of coaching people who literally have run at the Olympics. My wife was a national champion for her federation as well. And one of the things that I've witnessed over my years as a coach, still coaching to this day, is there are people who have the worst coach by observation, right? But they have the greatest amount of champions. Because they believe in the plan. They believe the process and they believe that they belong. Mm -hmm. They're not doing anything unique. They're not using any incredible equipment or yeah. new scientific breakthrough. They just believe in the plan. Mm -hmm. It's their plan. Mm -hmm. And they're like, even if it runs me to the ground, that's what I'm going to do because I have no other alternative. That's what we're talking about. And there's also athletes that have been with championship level coaches. I mean, people like my old coach who was the NCAA coach of the year, mm -hmm. like, and they've come there on scholarship and they were horrible. <laughs> had They had the best plan possible, but right. they didn't trust the plan. Yeah. They thought either I was already good enough and my talent was going to allow me to just win, or they thought that they were better than the plan and that someone else's plan was better because they watched them win a championship. But I'm telling you, bro, you got to trust 
the plan. Yeah. Just do it even if it's not the right plan. You don't know where to make changes. And I think that that's also having faith in yourself. That's right. Like you set up, you set a plan in you motion. You set it in motion. Don't question it. Don't question. Just go. And you know, a lot of people, and it's happened to me. Yes. Where it's like, oh, the social media era. Oh, it's changing <laughs> oh and this gosh. and that. Like there are things that you need to do yes. to be smart and, you know, being wise Understood. in business. But at this, at the end of it, like stay true to yourself. That's stay right. Stay true to what product you're offering. Stay That's true right. to the plan that you initiated from the beginning. It's going to work out. Yes. Yes. As you're growing in there, right. you're going to make That's mistakes. called maturity. But that doesn't mean that your plan sucks. That's right. In fact, that plan may work great with somebody else's hand. And even that, that's that's wisdom too. Maybe part of the plan is, you know what? It's not working as good if I'm pulling the trigger on this. What if yeah. I hire someone who has a little bit more of the personality or maybe yeah. a marketing person, but it's still your plan. Mm-hmm. Do you see? You know, and sometimes uh, going back to the um, the dreaming, not the dreaming, but the, the dealing with yourself. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. It's all right. It's very easy to um to question when you share. Yeah. You know, I saw this um post, Instagram post and and said silence is more has more weight than Absolutely. anything else. One hundred percent. Because sometimes you want to share in advance. Man, come on, brother, you gotta speak. And people from all and we talked about this yes. uh last time when when we were talking about um rebounding. But people don't want to see you succeed. That's the truth. There are some that do. Yeah. But the ones that stand out are the ones that don't. Mm-hmm. And I, I said this, and I was in ministry for a while, and you remember this, and I remember learning this, and I had to learn it the hard way mm-hmm. as a minister yeah. in a ministry. It is that you should never share your dreams with people who aren't committed to helping you reach them. Mm-hmm. And you will know by their questions, you will know by their actions, and the Bible even says you'll know them by their fruit. <laughs> So if you watch and pay attention and you follow that gut feeling, it's not the time to talk about it. Don't. Mm -hmm. They don't need to know. Get there. Then they'll see. And it doesn't matter if they ask you, hey, what's going on with you? What's new with you? Man, I'm just building some things, man. That's it. Just keep it brief, (laughs) man. Because again, as soon as you start mentioning something- Oh, that it's not a good, a good market idea. for you. Right. <laughs> uh, I, do you really think you can do it? But anyway, um, and you know the truth is, bro. Even in this social media, you know, world that we're in, I think it's important to say this. And I wanted to say it earlier. Sometimes you have to also choose to stop looking at other people's dreams, right? Instagram, yeah. especially, it will mess your life up. <laughs> social media is a a positive. It is. It can mm-hmm. be a strength. But the people who are really succeeding. If you really think about it, they're not paying attention to what everybody else is doing because mm-hmm. they're just focused on doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I had to do in my life and that I think is going to be a great tip and tool for you to trust your process is to stop following people who are already where you're trying to get if they're causing you to stumble along the way. Mm-hmm. Bottom exactly. line. Yeah. So um, again, this podcast, Rebound, Rebuild. Where you're talking, you're listening to two men <laughs> building their futures uh, and rebounding from a couple of mistakes that they made along the way. Yes. But we're excited to share our experiences with you. We're excited to hear from you as well. Please. So if you want to share any stories or comments, uh, go to our Instagram or go to our uh, website and you can get more information on our uh, episodes there. Again, until next time, this is Coach Charles and Carlos, the creator.
I love your vacation home. How much time do you spend here? As much as we want. And when we're not using it, we rent it out. Our amazing team cares for and markets it on all the major booking sites. What team does all that? Vacasa. They manage everything, and I see it all on my phone. Plus, they've been earning us over 20% more after I switched from my last property manager. Your vacation home earns you that much? It's not a vacation home. It's a Vacasa home. Get your free vacation income estimate to see how much your vacation home can earn you. Call 800-544-0300 or visit vacasa.com. I love your vacation home. How much time do you spend here? As much as we want. And when we're not using it, we rent it out. Our amazing team cares for and markets it on all the major booking sites. What team does all that? Vacasa. They manage everything, and I see it all on my phone. Plus, they've been earning us over 20% more after I switched from my last property manager. Your vacation home earns you that much? It's not a vacation home. It's a Vacasa home. Get your free vacation income estimate to see how much your vacation home can earn you. Call 800-544-0300 or visit vacasa.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Hi, I'm Carla Harris, Vice Chairman at Morgan Stanley and host of the award-winning podcast, Access and Opportunity. We're telling the stories of individuals working to drive change within their communities and sharing tangible examples of how ideas around equitable access and opportunity are being made real every day. So tune in, listen, and subscribe to Access and Opportunity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Big Biz Show. What's so funny about investing money, you ask? For you. The Big Biz Show with Russ and Sully hope to answer that. Top-rated, insightful financial analysis. If you are looking for insightful financial perspective on key market strategies, keep looking. I told you, this is The Big Biz Show. Hello. This is Russ and Sully. Hey, they're live from the Loft 100 Studios in Sunny San Diego, California. Big Biz goes on here. Great to have you along today. 110 million TV homes strong every weeknight. 150 radio stations. That's right. We're TV and radio at the same time. And we're on American Forces Radio Network in 175 countries. All the ships at sea. God bless our military men and women for serving our country overseas and underway. And once again, look who we have in studio today. It's the band. Rehearsing for the takeover of the network. How? It's the Sully Band. You guys, give us a little love. Give us a little taste of something. Lady and gentlemen. Give me something. Give us a little something. <laughs> what? Okay, that's enough. Thanks. Yeah, we got we got a guest. We'll call you. Thanks. Next. Yeah. Yeah, if you're in a band and you hear if you're doing a rehearsal or if you're doing an audition and you say, hey, thanks, we'll call you. Yeah. They're not calling you. Uh, that's, that's, I've known that pain. Uh, the reason that the band is here is because they're in studio rehearsing for the Biz TV uh, Big Biz holiday takeover. So our show, Big Biz Show, along with the host of America Trans, Mary Burke Godwin, uh, is going to be taking over. The Biz Television Network, hosted by Rusty Nails. Thank you. Uh, uh, on Christmas Day, 24 hours of Big Biz Show. We're, we're taping a two-hour special. 
uh, including uh, clips and interviews and music, mm -hmm. and uh, it'll also play on New Year's Day. You know, there'll be some foolery going on. We're paying. We're getting paid absolutely zero more. How does that work? Did I don't you get know. a commercial or I was something. Just, I was like, mm -hmm. wow. I got a total sucker. Good one, Bob. Anyway, hey, one of the one of the best things about this show that's been on uh, radio for 25 years and TV for 15 is that we get to interview folks that you uh, that you uh, refer to us, whether it's an actor or an author or a celebrity. One of our friends of the show actually referred this next guest to us. His name is Tom Hallam. He's the CEO of a company called Palisade Bio. They are publicly traded on the stock symbol P-A-L-I. You can go to palisadebio.com. They're right here in Carlsbad, Russ. Really? Palisade? Oh, yeah. yeah, he could hang here. And we wouldn't even know it. Oh, I see. He could eat out the food truck that the band goes. Yeah. And he could just skate in here and skate out, wouldn't even know it. Tom, I bet he would. So great <laughs> to have you along. Thanks for coming in. Good to Thanks. see you. So great to be here. Thank All right, you. Now, do you, now, do you know uh, how famous me and Russ are? Um, I'm, I'm learning. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Just why not? I it's love been a long, a long, hard I love, climb. I middle. love how okay. when people in San Diego yeah. come in, have no idea who we are. That's good. It's <laughs> no, I do that way. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah, yes. Hey, first of all, um, it's kind of a biopharma the last couple of days we've been talking about this. Um, we are in San Diego, uh, as many of you know across the country, we are a technology-centered company and a biopharma company as yeah. well as a biotech company. Yeah. Um, talk to, are we still kind of the leading the league there uh, as San Diegans, or, or is there other parts of the country that are catching up to us? Because it seems like we're developing all the drugs. Well, you know, when it comes to San Diego, like, there's this innovation hub that happens around UCSD and the other universities, and yep. then La Jolla, and, like, the, the groups of investors and venture capitalists and the universities and the biotech com companies that are here. And it's created this ecosystem, you know, and it's probably, you know, smaller than that, the Bay Area or Boston, but it's just as thriving. Yeah. And, yeah. and the coolest part about that is that what you see is you see it growing. You see it growing where, you know, I was just on the, the phone la la literally last week with a, a group, and they were talking about this idea that um, they were starting a new fund and they were going to start a new office. Do we locate it in Boston where it's super crowded for and VC cold. space and cold? Right. Bay Area? Or, or Menlo Park, right? Menlo Park, you, you right. See, uh, Sand Hill Road, Menlo, yeah. venture capital, the uh, capital of the world. And there's very few headquartered VCs down here. So this idea that you can um, come to here and have this great innovation culture and, you know, be here with the entrepreneurs, with the scientists, with the physicians that, that are doing this. I mean, our, our company was started by the chairman of the um, surgery department at the University of San Diego, California, San Diego. Right, UCSD. And the chairman of the bioengineering department at UCSD. Wow. They were researching the same thing kind of independently, and they came together and had this idea like, hey, we could really turn this into something. They found local entrepreneurs. Wow. And, you know, 15 years later, we're a publicly traded company. It's kind of, kind of like the peanut butter and chocolate thing for Reese's. Is that what it Remember is? Remember that yeah. commercial? Remember the commercial? So these two doctors are sitting in the cafeteria. They're going, hey, <laughs> I do that. Right. What the hell? Let's start a company. <laughs> that's right. that's yeah. how it works. Um, be, before we get to specifically what, yeah. what Palisade Bio does, um, I, I asked this of all of our biopharma companies with respect to going through COVID. Yeah. Was it, 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 was it an impediment to you? Or was it a non-issue? I'm not talking about yeah. the, the, the pandemic itself. I'm talking about the, to you getting the ball down the field. Um, I think it disrupted everything in, in ways that we're still figuring out. I mean, yeah. There's two real ways it disrupted us, right? I mean, we developed drugs that we use for the hospital systems, right, right. that sure. um, help get patients out of the hospital sooner, get them better faster. Um, it's really hard to run tr clinical trials in hospitals right now because there's so many COVID patients, right? right. There are people who want to enroll trials. They want to stop. But at the same time, there's also this pitch that is like, hey, we have a drug that can get your patients out of the hospital sooner at a time.
when the hospital systems are resource constrained right. more than they ever have been. Right. Sure, exactly. Yeah. Talk about talk about. Pal I, I, I read before you came on the air, and what's interesting about biopharma companies before it's called Flexeral, before it's called Oh yeah, yeah. Viagra. Yeah. Thank you. It's called <laughs> it's called LB one one four eight. Yeah. Every oh, drug company has non sexy name. Well, they're all they're all like a couple letters and a number. Like yeah. Every single drug company, it's always that. Yeah. So you have a drug called LB one one four eight. It's yeah. your lead drug. How what exciting. is it? What does it do? Um, what does it do? Um, it helps patients get better faster. Right? All right. After major. Surgery. I'm in. Get the <laughs> yeah, checkbook. Yeah, right. <laughs> Greg, get the checkbook. It, yeah. So so you guys describe it as an oral digestive enzyme inhibitor. Yeah. All right. What? I completely yeah. get that. Oral. Yeah, what happened here? Yeah. <laughs> so all of us, all of us sitting in the room, right, we have this digestive tract filled with digestive enzymes. Yeah. What do they do? I'm, right. I'm, I'm a steak guy. Like if I eat a big, thick steak on right. a Friday night, it I eat another enzymes. one on Saturday. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so all these little things go into your body and go, let's just eat that and uh, distribute So those are digestive it. enzymes. Yeah. Is that too yeah. much of that's a bad thing? That Too much of this can be a bad thing. Okay. Especially, you know, if you think about these enzymes, they'll destroy that tissue, that steak, right? Which, which is there. called, from my research, called an adhesion. It, right? Kind of, yeah. An adhesion? Yeah. Here well, we go. See, the word be... adhesion. Our people put that together for you, by the oh, way. Just yeah. so you know. Actually, yeah, this cool. is from their website. That's my hand. <laughs> you can go to their website. Uh, their website uh, is palisadebio.com. It's all right there. So, yeah. so what's the bad news when you have that, Ooh, that malady? So um, when your digestive enzymes literally digest your intestinal tract, oh, like... That's a bad thing. Oh, yeah. you're, you're eating yourself. You're, you're eating yourself. Your yeah. bowel, your... Intestines stop running. Not my favorite running. menu choice. Yeah. 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 And, and suddenly, if you're in the hospital, you can't go until you can go. So, so your body starts uh, with, with the adhesion. It opens up like the real part of your body, and then another part of it kind of grows to it, you know, yeah. kind of can attach to it. Yeah, the damage it, oh. grows into this scar tissue called yeah. adhesion. Yeah, I've had it happen. Yeah, maybe not talk so much during the show. So this is also the number one cause of, uh, of secondary infertility in women, correct? That's right. Wow. So, yeah. and, how many, and how many people suffer from this? Oh, um, uh, uh, it's, there are over, you know, in the United States alone, 7 million people that could utilize this right. drug every year in the United States. Yeah. Wow. Huge market. That's right? a big market. Yeah. If you think about adhesions, right? Um, they are. They, no one knows what they are until they're impacting you. Like the number right. one cause is menopause, right? For infertility. After that, mm -hmm. adhesions. It's this really? scar tissue people don't even talk about until they can't get pregnant or they can't have a bowel movement right. because suddenly things aren't working right. My here, my question for you, by the way, yeah. Tom Hallam's his name. He's the CEO of a company called Palisade Bio. Uh, they are publicly traded on the stock symbol P-A-L-I, as I mentioned before, palisadebio.com. What's a patient's journey with this drug? We'll talk about you know, that. Uh, this is really personal to me. My own father underwent uh, major bowel surgery to remove a tumor a couple years ago. And, you know, the, if you're a patient, you meet with your surgeon like two weeks before surgery, right. and you come up with a surgical plan. And then you hopefully leave that physician's office in the future with our drug. With, okay. with the pharmacy. Um, you take it the night before surgery, you take it in the morning of surgery, and your gastrointestinal tract works faster after surgery. It comes yeah. back. In clinical trials, we've shown patients get their function back a full day sooner. Reducing the adhesion risk? Yeah, reducing the adhesion ri yeah. risk and improving the function. Yeah. So, so where, Sam, where are you guys in the, in, the, in the arc of your FDA story and everything else? Are we, are we on the streets now? Are we, are we selling drugs? Are we... Are we? Are, are you taking this from inception to fruition, or do you take it and get a big, big pharma company to buy you guys? Yeah, we're um, transitioning, right? We're transitioning from being a state, a company that's now demonstrated this drug has demonstrated efficacy in three clinical studies. So over and over again, been Proved efficacious. It. It's been safe. 
Yeah. Um, and we're transitioning to the late stage pivotal studies to finally run the pivotal studies to, to get so the drug. So you guys are at like the 10 yard line here. Yeah. Right. It feels wow. that. Way. And, and, and if and if you and I know you guys can't ever figure this out because I think one of the things that we've talked about this before in the program is with with respect to the COVID vaccine. Yeah. Uh, some of those companies got to skip the line. You can't skip the line. How? What, what's yeah. the what's the arc of that? What's how? What's the velocity? What do you think you're going to if all things yeah. go correct? What do you think is going to be? You know, we run pivotal studies to get the final drug approved, like, you know, phase three, and then uh, yeah. have a review by the FDA and get this approved, right? And, and not just in the U.S., but everywhere in the world. Seven million patients in the U.S. In the U.S. do this. I'll start working on a name for the drug right yeah, now. I, yeah, yeah you, 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 got, you got something you think that's going pretty good? Tom, will you come back with us at some point? Because you're right Absolutely. down the street. Yeah. And you're more than welcome to eat off the food truck anytime the band comes in. They're in for a while. Tom Hallam is his name. He is the CEO of Palisade Bio, P-A-L-I. Of course, palisadebio.com. Really good stuff. Thanks, man. I appreciate you coming. Hey, All right, much more Big Biz coming up. Stand by. In the meantime, a little bit of the Sully Band to take you out. Once again, we're doing the Big Biz Biz TV holiday takeover coming up. Hi, I'm Carla Harris, Vice Chairman at Morgan Stanley and host of the award-winning podcast, Access and Opportunity. We're telling the stories of individuals working to drive change within their communities and sharing tangible examples of how ideas around equitable access and opportunity are being made real every day. So tune in, listen, and subscribe to Access and Opportunity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Carla Harris, Vice Chairman at Morgan Stanley and host of the award-winning podcast, Access and Opportunity. We're telling the stories of individuals working to drive change within their communities and sharing tangible examples of how ideas around equitable access and opportunity are being made real every day. So tune in, listen, and subscribe to Access and Opportunity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Carla Harris, Vice Chairman at Morgan Stanley and host of the award-winning podcast, Access and Opportunity. We're telling the stories of individuals working to drive change within their communities and sharing tangible examples of how ideas around equitable access and opportunity are being made real every day. So tune in, listen, and subscribe to Access and Opportunity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to everyone joining us to experience stories of resilience, hope, perseverance, and joy. Move over to a sport chair, a basketball wheelchair. Category of best video are... We love you guys.
today. Uh, nice. In the studio rehearsing for the, uh, of course, Big Biz Takeover of the Biz TV Network uh, on Christmas Day, New Year's Day, 24-7. Unbelievable. Uh, our Christmas special uh, that Russ has put together. Uh, Mary Burt Godwin from American Trends will be joining us, as well as myself. And, of course, we have the Sully Band. Thanks, guys, for yeah. swinging. And gal. Guys and gal. Yeah. Hey, um, and continuing our, our last couple of days, we've been talking about biopharma um, a bit. And uh, one of you uh, from uh, one of our viewers from across the country sent us an email about a company called uh, Optinose. 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 Uh, Optinose. Uh, O-P-T-I-N-O-Z-E. They are publicly traded under oh. the stock symbol O-P-T-N. Uh, you can go to Optinose.com. Peter Miller is the CEO. And we were kind of referred to him regarding chronic sinusitis. Oh, I got a little now. I think you do. Did you send a sample, buddy? You got a little on me. (laughs) Hey, Peter, thanks for swinging by today. Thanks for joining us via Zoom. Uh, Great to have you along. First of all, welcome. What is sinusitis? Does that mean I'm constantly sniffling? Is that what that's all about? Or is that allergies? Or what's the difference? I will tell you, you are constantly sniffling, but it's a lot worse than that. People Uh have chronic sinusitis really have a disease that affects their entire life. They have trouble sleeping. They snore. They can't breathe at night. Uh, quality of life impact, by the way, come from some very serious diseases like asthma, angina, congestive heart failure. But the problem is a whole bunch of people just think it's a runny nose. And if and, you talk to anybody who has this disease, it's not fun. And I bet you I would argue that most people are misdiagnosing this as nothing, and they're living unnecessarily with this malady, correct? It is the problem, unlike some diseases that people think it's real serious. In this case, we, we like to call it the Rodney Dangerfield of diseases because people say, hey, I have a runny nose and I have a stuffy nose too, but they don't really understand that there are really serious consequences of this disease. As I said, including huge effects on sleep, um, people who just feel like they can't breathe at all during the day, yeah. and that affects their overall quality of life in really a big, big way. So this disease gets no respect. I got to tell you, whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's exactly right. Exactly. Yeah, that's the danger field exactly. method. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so what are the symptoms, Peter? Well, dude. <laughs> I mean, other than sniffling, is there, are there other symptoms? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's four core symptoms. So congestion, so feeling like you can't breathe, mm-hmm. sinus pain and pressure. And this is a case that people have pounding headaches caused by this disease. Loss of sense of smell and taste. You know, a big deal was made of that with some of the COVID right. people have. That. With this disease, there's people about, significant number of people lose their loss of sense of smell and taste because of this disease. And then something that's called rhinorrhea, which is sort of nasal drip, uh, that constant sort of coughing and itching in the back of your throat. So at the end of the day, talk about uh, where you guys are. What have you created? Have you created the cure for the common sinusitis? Is, and is that the same as a cure for the common cold? I will say we've come up with something that is a very simple idea to really significantly improve quality of life for people. This disease, the problem with this disease is people get inflammation broadly throughout their nasal cavity. And people, I, th- I think you guys know that what you see on the front of your face this is this sort of the tip of the iceberg. There's a big area sort of behind that. That big area gets, gets inflamed. And because there are structures in the nose that sort of keep things from being able to get to that inflamed tissue, uh, it's very hard to treat with a sort of conventional intranasal sprays. So this inflammation, by the way, causes not only the four core symptoms of the disease, but very often can lead to complete blockage of the sinuses, wow. which can lead to the sinus infection. So sure. well, is not. So our way of solving it is really simple. We have a what I would call brilliant device that takes advantage of some so your part of your own anatomy 
to get drug very high and deep in the nasal cavity, sort of behind all these structures that you can't normally get behind. Sure. And we, we take a topically acting drug. So we're taking drug steroids that work really effectively. That's a great picture, by the way, that shows what we do. Sure. Yeah. Um, a topically acting drug, but the problem with the topically acting drug is it only works where you put it. Right. So you can see by that picture, by the way, if the problem of, of the inflammation is back up sort of underneath your eyes, right. yeah. the drug is only being deposited in the front of the nose, it does no good. It's like putting a uh, cream for poison ivy on your left arm instead of your right arm, if that's where your poison ivy is. So you can see wow. because of this really ingenious, de ingenious device, we put the drug in the right spot to make it effective. And by the way, I didn't really talk about this. People with this disease, pretty much the only thing that worked up until we were introduced was surgery. As a result, there are 600,000 surgeries done per year, between five and 600,000. And I'll tell you, these surgeries are not fun. Yeah. And I bring up surgery, by the way, because surgery does not cause this core problem of inflammation. And we actually have data from our trials that we can compare how effective are we to surgery. And we produce an outcome in patients that's comparable to surgery without the pain and the cost and the, yeah. you know, the the not fun process of going through a surgical procedure. Well, up till now, it would be those weird strips you put on or yeah, the right. weird thing is sticking your well, nose. Well, uh, no, no spray. I mean, let's face it. And then it. you turn into a mouth breather, which starts causing like sore throat and all kinds of stuff like that. Peter. By the way, there's a great book written, James Nestor, called Breath, which talks about the, the problems that are created if you can't breathe through your nose properly. And it's a lot of those things that you're talking about right now. Right. Hey, uh, Peter, talk about, uh, you know, what's the addressable audience for this thing? How many people would suffer from this in the U.S. and over the world? By the way, let world? me ask you guys, did either of you guys have chronic rhinosinusitis? I, yes. I don't think I do. Right but now. I, but I have horrible allergies. <laughs> it comes and goes, and I just leak like a sieve. But, yes, you but, I, but, but some I, days just yeah, no, so, yeah, river. If, if there's a change in the weather, yeah. um, and I, you know, it's funny, I wasn't, I wasn't allergic to anything as a kid, but I had an allergy test, and I'm allergic to literally everything. Nah. If there's a change in the weather, or if I don't have... My mattress wrapped because of dust mites. Oh, I'm, right. I'm, I'm a mess. And some days are worse than others, but I, I breathe pretty well most of the time. You, so, on the other you, hand. You, yeah. By the way, I, don't, I mean, there's about 30 million people in the United States who have this disease. So wow. 30 million. 30 million. It's not, as, it's not as prevalent as allergic rhinitis, which is probably what you have, which affects about 60 million people. Wow. 30 million people have this disease. 10 million ha are, are actively being treated by a doctor. And by the way, the 20 million that aren't being treated by a doctor, they should be. They just have given up. They've said, yeah. I don't want to get surgery. I don't want allergy shots sure. and allergies. Right, right. Yeah. So we have something that really brings, as I said, a, a, a the product doesn't work just a little bit better than the nasal sprays. It works, honestly, a lot better. By the way, as the CEO, I can tell you, I actually use the product myself. I've been using it for two years. Peter, I want to have you back, man. Peter Miller, CEO. Optinos, O-P-T-N, Optinos.com. Thanks, pal. We'll see you soon. Wow. More Big Biz coming up. Hi, I'm Carla Harris, Vice Chairman at Morgan Stanley and host of the award-winning podcast, Access and Opportunity. We're telling the stories of individuals working to drive change within their communities and sharing tangible examples of how ideas around equitable access and opportunity are being made real every day. So tune in, listen, and subscribe to Access and Opportunity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Carla Harris, Vice Chairman at Morgan Stanley and host of the award-winning podcast, Access and Opportunity. We're telling the stories of individuals working to drive change within their communities and sharing tangible examples of how ideas around equitable access and opportunity are being made real every day. So tune in. Listen and subscribe to Access and Opportunity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Carla Harris, Vice Chairman at Morgan Stanley and host of the award-winning podcast, Access and Opportunity. We're telling the stories of individuals working to drive change within their communities and sharing tangible examples of how ideas around equitable access and opportunity are being made real every day. So tune in. Listen and subscribe to Access and Opportunity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, why uh, Sully Man is in studio is because uh, we are taking over, mm-hmm. unbelievably, the network, yeah. TV, the entire network on Christmas Day and New Year's Day. We are taping a Christmas special uh, entitled The Big Biz Christmas Special, hosted by Rusty Nail. Thank you. Uh, Mary Bird Godwin from America Trends will be in, as well as myself and the Sully Band here. And it'll be Walter All with Buddy the Elf, Ron Burgundy. And the Grinch. And the Grinch. Oh, yeah. Grinch is coming. I did the Grinch, too. Yeah. Very good. Fantastic. So look who's back. Uh, we had a great interview a couple weeks ago uh, with David Ron. David Ron is the president and CEO uh, of a company called One Stop Systems. This is the business of AI. Russ, Ooh, what's yeah. AI? Tell us what AI is. I think it's artificial intelligence. That's right. Oh, good. Fantastic. Because I need some. Dave, good to have you, man. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Yeah. Good to be back. Um, you guys are San Diego based right here. Yeah, right? Escondido. And we are uh, and we are talking to the rest of the world uh, on radio. We're talking to the rest of the country, at least on television. Talk about what you guys do because we're hearing AI. AI we're oh, hearing wow. AR, augmented reality. That's another one. Artificial intelligence. Yeah. It's all sort of uh, um, what you guys are calling on the fly systems. Talk about what this does. Yeah, so we're AI, so artificial intelligence at the very edge, which means maybe an autonomous vehicle, uh-huh. maybe a command center, maybe an aircraft. We put very high-end performance uh, computers in there. To like autopilot? Them. Yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah. Let them drive for them by themselves. Hurry. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and what's interesting is you were on the board of directors of this company um, in, I think, February of 2020, middle of COVID. Oh. They... You guys said make some changes. We did. Was that was that a was that a happy phone call for you or uh, one of those? Oh man. Uh, we made a decision to make a change with the CEO, which was a founder. What about for you taking over as a CEO because being you know president and CEO after being a board member? That was a big that was a big responsibility. Yeah, it was great. I took it over temporarily, and then I liked what I saw and said I'd like to do this long time. Nice. Long-term. Take us through exactly uh, what you guys do and and what the applications are and and maybe the addressable market a little bit. Yeah, so what we do is build very high-end computer systems um, that process the data and take action. Um, so, and what's different about us, we'll build a, build a system that normally is a big box. Mm-hmm. We put it in a very small box yeah. <laughs> and deploy it in things like semi-trucks, mm-hmm. yeah. airplanes, 
and uh, deal with the harsh environments there. You, you mentioned it. data. Mm -hmm. Whose data? Uh, yeah. Does your system understand all the data that's coming in already and then kind of translate it or whatever? Because data is coming in. Yeah, like give us an application. Like yeah, so, this is, so, so let's say an uh, aircraft. An yeah. aircraft's in the air. It's taking in all kinds of data. If it's a commercial aircraft, it's mostly about fuel efficiency. Yeah. In the case of military, it, it's observing submarines in the water. Right. Um, and so what they want to do is collect all that data, store it, process it, and take action on it. Wow. And there's no time to go back to some command center. <laughs> if you think about a time of a crisis, you got to take action right. now, and they want the AI to help them. Yeah. Um, talk about, uh, with respect to that, let's say five years ago, when AI was just scratching the surface. Mm -hmm. How is life better or different now in, the, in these industries that, you, that, you, that you're helping? You know, one of which is defense. You know, there's other technology industries. There's transportation. Talk, what, what's, what's different and what's better? What, what, makes it, what makes life bigger, better, faster, stronger, cheaper than it was before? Well, I mean, AI existed then, but it's just uh, progressed to a point where, you know, you have semi-autonomous cars now where you didn't have any car that couldn't do right. anything. There are semi-autonomous, I mean, there's t autonomous trucks driving in Texas today. They're driving themselves, um, and uh, so those type of applications. Are we going to see AI in, in uh, everyday life of Johnny Lunchbucket and Cindy CEO and so on and so forth? I mean, I think we're probably already seeing some of it, right? But is this, is this going to be a way of life for everyone? Absolutely, in, in, what, in everything. In, in what way are you thinking? Like, like the, is it just transportation? Like, will I be able to get oh. into the backseat of my car after a last call at a bar and just go, just take me home? Eventually. Oh, yeah, or, or, is this, or is this the <laughs> mythical Internet of Things we've been hearing about? Yeah. Well, yeah. the Internet of Things is one aspect of it. Those tend to be lower end. So that's all sending data right. into the system also. Mm -hmm. We tend to be in the higher end type system yeah. at the very edge. And, and, and if I'm thinking in terms of <clears throat> any only experience we have with this is, you know, you know, we're a military town here in San Diego yeah. where we broadcast from. But you see movies and stuff where guys are walking into a to a, looks like a storage container in Las, in Las Vegas, and they're spying on someplace and, uh, on an enemy in another part of the world, and they're launching satellite imagery or they're and dropping. Yeah. Is that the type of thing we're talking about as well? Yeah, that's kind of the first layer. of The second layer is to do more of that, uh, be automated. So actually that drone is making actually potentially decisions by itself, which is kind of scary. Oh, yes, it is. So the military is an interesting space. Number one priority in the military is to bring AI to every node of the military. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you're going to see it in everything. Tanks, and the Space planes, Force, trucks, everything. you know, and the new Space, space Force. Force has to be Absolutely. a big it, client. When you guys talk about, on your website, you talk about AI transportables. Yes. Is that all of this or is that another category within this? No, AI transportables where we're focused, okay. uh, So, which is all these things that move. Okay. Now, it could be a vehicle like we talked about or it might be a piece of medical equipment or something that moves once in a while. Okay. Right. Um, and the reason is that they have more challenges than a concrete building with air conditioning that can cool these big computers. Right. Uh, we have to deal with uh, the challenges associated with are, are, are we? How far away are we from, and we hear about you know, autonomous driving cars. Yeah. I think the first, I mean, that sounds great. Yeah. But I'll tell you where it's going to save us money as consumers is autonomous driving semi-trucks. Yeah. With, with, don't you, I mean, that's really the tip of the spear that's going to affect all of us because that changes the transportation model. That's the supply chain that we've all been talking about. Yep. When that, by the way, and one of the biggest problems with inflation right now and by the way, it's not just supply chain. There's also a demand problem, too, because we, we have a lot of money. We're demanding things. But there's a lack of truck drivers, okay? This would solve that issue. Had this been in place, how long before we see this as an everyday sort of thing before we trust this? Because everything that I read and research says that autonomous driving vehicles are not going to crash. And every time they have, it's because there's been a human on the other end of the crash, Screwed right? Yep. They don't make decisions. How many, are we years away? Are we days away? Or in your we're, opinion? 
for the general one that you'll drive, yeah. we're years away. But what about Probably the semi? What about, what about transporting? Semis will happen sooner. Really? Semis are actually going right now. Right. With, but they're, they still have a human in there, but there's a lot of other things that uh, the system can do with that right. human there. <laughs> and uh, but you know it's a besides scary scream Siri yeah. turn left. <laughs> exactly. right. uh, his name is David Ron. David Ron is the president and CEO of wow. One Stop Systems. Where do you guys go next? What's the, what is on the horizon? Because you have this this complement of, of of products and services that are what you're calling AI on the fly. Um, what's next? Do you think for you guys anyway? For us, it's executing. Okay. We've got a multi-billion-dollar market, and we're, we've got sixty million of a revenue. Really? And a hundred million dollar market cap. Yeah. So yeah. it's execute, focus, focus, focus. And, and, and how much again is that addressable market? I mean, what are we What's talking that? about? The addressable market in billions? What do you think? Yeah, we, you know, we're estimating a few years out, it's one to five billion. It My could goodness. be a lot larger. We think yeah. today it's 200 million, 300 million, but it's the fastest growing segment of yeah. edge computing. And how do those things see? I mean, when, when a is that LIDAR? Is it, is yeah, it, is is it, it, it's a combination of LIDAR, radar, a whole bunch of different technologies are okay. being used in these, in these platforms. Sonar. And, and all of that is driving a huge amount of data that has to be processed and acted Right away. Where we play. Yeah. So, David, quickly. if you look at the cell phone business, yeah. right? We all have different cell phones. We all have different carriers. But we're able to communicate because there is a best-in-practice standard, yeah. which is the subject of a lawsuit, by the yeah. way, between yeah. Apple and, and Qualcomm and oh, a lot of boy. other places. Is there sort of a is there sort of a, a, a best practices uh, amalgamation of data because you're going to have this I mean, you're one company there's other companies and there's and by the way we don't just have transportation we also have automation like that it's yeah. got to come out of the box onto the truck from the truck onto the road is there some sort of best practices that's going to amalgamate all of that sort of uh, data coming into one place that allow you to work with the next brand. Philips can work with so and so that yeah. can work uh, with uh, with uh, one stop and so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. If you have two cars that are autonomous and they can't communicate, it's pointless, right? Right, exactly. So there are standards developing right now. Yeah. I, I, the name escapes to me, but uh, absolutely. As a CEO of a publicly traded company that does this, um, what is your what, what do you do in your mind to say we're going to execute better? Because I think a lot of companies say that, but for you, is there specifics that you think would? The biggest thing is that we have the technology, we have the know-how, and we have a high win rate when we find the opportunities. Mm -hmm. We're a small guy. Yeah. So we've got to get in front of the, you know, the key players and mm -hmm. show them what we have and show them what we can do for them. Yeah. So that's what the biggest part of the execution is. And then following up with future products. The, uh, um, you know, we're obviously at the tail end of, of what we thought was the coronavirus. Obviously, we're going to be with this like the flu for some time. Is this affecting you guys as, as a business model? Are you guys planning anything different for 2022 as a result of this? Uh, 2020 hurt us, hit us hard. Yeah. 21 has been better. We grew 18. We're going to grow approximately 18% this year over Not last down. year. Right. We record profits, record revenues, record cash on hand, right. and we see 22 and 23 being strong years with uh, accelerated, more accelerated growth in 23. Exciting stuff. And, and by the way, does has anybody uh, has any is, is there an environmental uh, positive to this? Because that's the first thing that you hear about when you hear about you know new technologies. Oh yeah. How is it going to hurt the environment? Is is it, are you guys you guys are neutral? I'm assuming because this is this is uh, zeros and ones, right? Yeah, we don't impact it, but since most of these things that's going into are electric or will be electric, right. it helps the we got to figure a truck, a truck that can drive itself might save a little gas because they're just yeah. continuous, same mile per hour. Cause, yeah, because he doesn't drive like your mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> will you come back? Yeah. David Ron, Thank you show. More sure. coming up.
Hi, I'm Carla Harris, Vice Chairman at Morgan Stanley and host of the award-winning podcast, Access and Opportunity. We're telling the stories of individuals working to drive change within their communities and sharing tangible examples of how ideas around equitable access and opportunity are being made real every day. So tune in, listen, and subscribe to Access and Opportunity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Carla Harris, Vice Chairman at Morgan Stanley and host of the award-winning podcast, Access and Opportunity. We're telling the stories of individuals working to drive change within their communities and sharing tangible examples of how ideas around equitable access and opportunity are being made real every day. So tune in, listen, and subscribe to Access and Opportunity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Carla Harris, Vice Chairman at Morgan Stanley and host of the award-winning podcast, Access and Opportunity. We're telling the stories of individuals working to drive change within their communities and sharing tangible examples of how ideas around equitable access and opportunity are being made real every day. So tune in, listen, and subscribe to Access and Opportunity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Show, be good show. Swimming right along. Uh, Mike Costa, we got again today in studio. So uh, we were talking yesterday about, yes. about uh, uh, the NFL uh, and issuing uh, debt. This isn't the first time they've done that, by the way. Uh, they've done this on two other occasions. Really? And uh, you know, I'm not sure. One of the reasons companies do this when they don't need money. So basically, what they're doing is they're borrowing money from investors. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Investors are investing in bonds. It's usually a low-risk type deal. What's, the NFL is probably good credit risk. You're not going to get a bunch of money. Yeah. You're not getting a 10% return. You might be getting a 5% return. Still not bad. Um, the reason they do this sometimes is to bolster their credit score. So Moody's, S&P, are, are credit reporting agencies that will tell you your financial worthiness to take on more debt or whatever. Sometimes, uh, just like with our own credit, right. if you use it, you lose it. If you don't yeah. use it, you lose it. Oftentimes they do this to sort of help their rating. And that's, that's why you want to keep a credit card balance and play, pay it off, exactly. right? maybe on two cards, right, or blah, exactly blah, blah, blah. Right. Wow. There you go. So that's one of the reasons. I'll throw it out. Um, okay. Can you, t- okay, I texted Mike in a panic. Oh, my. Um, oh, I, I wish I had the text. Oh, break. my God. I should have printed I, it. I, um, what happened? I, well, he, then he got me panicking. Let's bring a little Ozzy Osbourne in. Yeah. Thanks, Oz. I, in a panic this weekend, I saw this text message. Or no, I saw a tweet. Tweet. And it was a pod... I'm going to see if I can find it. It was a Padres... It was on the San Diego Padres Twitter feed. Yes. So this was not just some douche I was following. This no. is the Padres. It, was, it wasn't like the San Diego Padres, Padres with two A's. No, it was yeah, like, this like was P-A-H. Was, yeah. It wasn't like the P-A-H-D-R-E-S. It was the real Padres. Blue check. Yeah. And on the Padres website, it says... Fernando Tassi, uh, Fernando uh, Tatis, Jake Cronenworth, Jake, Jake Cronenworth, okay. and Eric Hosmer, the Cronenworth, and Jake Hosmer, worthless, traded for some, Eric, Eric Hosmer, uh, yeah, Jake Eric Cronenworth. Hosmer, okay, yeah. Yeah, it traded for some guy, and I'm googling the guy, 
He's nowhere. Nothing on the, like Jacobo something. Was it a Jacobo Boninger? Yeah, yeah, Boninger. Wow. Not Boninger. Boninger. Okay. okay. Went right over my head. Yeah. I text, you know, what is this? What's happening? What, like, who is this guy? Capital and, letters. And, it, and, uh, and then he, uh, so what happened? What? What, what was? Somebody what? hacked there. Oh, is that, is that all it was? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. But, you know, Jay Cronenworth is universally loved. Eric Hosmer is universally loathed when it comes to public Here it is. I wish circles. I here, If you can show this. Um, <laughs> let me just bring this up here. This is the text. Can you, can you, you, oh. can you see the picture? <laughs> That's basically, uh, am I showing here? Where, there, there. That's Jacobo this, Boningerth. This, this is Jacobo Boningerth, which is basically Jake Cronenworth with a goatee. Oh, yeah. Okay. And a fig neck tattoo. Okay. And, <laughs> the, and the thing says. <laughs> Triangle and the, of no, it, it, Right. No kidding. <laughs> so he, the neck tattoo. And it says he was traded and I totally bought it. Yeah. So they, line and sinker. Was there any news story about the fact that Padres' Twitter feed got hacked? Because no, I did not see that. But because it said Hosmer worthless behind it. <laughs> yeah, like the oh, by the way, he's the most hated Padre. He is right now. He is. He's making what sixteen million dollars to be worthless? To be just do like nothing. Will yeah. he be on the Melvin squad or not? Uh, uh, people are praying that you know one of the early miracles of twenty twenty two will be that he is not. Well, wait, wait a second. But you, you, you have to. Move and that I know this contract. is a national show, and yeah. we need to talk about national sports. Oh, sure. Yeah. Let's talk about the Padres. Hundred percent. They play national during league. the trade deadline last year. Yeah. We got. Squeezed, what? Here's the sound effect. Bubkiss. Nothing. We got nothing. Zero. Wait, we were this close to having that pitcher from uh, Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer. Yeah. Didn't we get an injured pitcher? We though? got nothing. <laughs> injured pitcher. Injured pitcher. By the way, is, is the new band name. By the way, we're changing the band name from Sully Ben. Injured pitcher. Injured pitcher. Nothing. We got. So what makes us? Th- guys, we have a new coach now. Bob Melvin, who's going to write the ship, and again was was a great acquisition by the Padres to bring in as the new skipper. But, you know, you still have the Eric Hosmer massive contract that you have to be able to move, and a team has got to see some worth in him where the Padre fans do not see any worth. To move Jake Cronenworth would to have been – that was that's akin to dropping a nuclear bomb on your fan base. The crone zone. No, crone zone. They love him. First of all, he was an also ran. He he was brought over with uh, what's his name, uh, the outfielder. Uh, it's just as an also ran. Like oh, hey, he's thrown in. Throw this guy in. He ends up being the. He ends up hitting oh, RBIs in the freaking all star. He's a folk game. hero. He's an all like He yeah. really is. And here he is. If you've been around San Diego long enough, yeah. and I know this doesn't matter if you're in Opelak, Alabama, but there was there was a couple guys like this on on Padre squads and on Chargers. Hank Bauer was one of those guys, utility player. I forget our guy. Um, we had a really great utility player in the 80s. Uh, I can't, Tim Flannery? Uh, no, Tim Flannery was one of them. Lunch pail guys. But what's the Kurt uh, mustache guy? Was another. Kurt Bavacqua? Yeah, Bavacqua was another one of those guys. Yep. You know, and those guys are loved by San Diego. Well, they're the great. backbones of franchise. Yeah, they love yep. San Diego, like Kurt Gibson would be yeah. another Dodger guy like that. Yeah. Those people love those guys. They're, they're lunch bucket guys yeah. that come to work. And they come to work every day. They do. Talk about a guy who uh, didn't come to work every day, but we needed him every day. It was Fernando Tatis Jr. last year. What? And he's no bust. No. But he's just tender. Just, so what's, just what, remember what, that he signed a 14-year, $340 million contract. The right. right side of our infield yeah. between, um, between Tatis Jr. And Manny. And Manny Machado. Hundred and something million. It's almost uh, it's it's over a half a billion dollars. Yeah, half a billion dollars yeah. on the right side of infield. Well, By the way, they're worth it. That pays for a mile of bike lanes. Like three, <laughs> wait, the three fourths of our infield is worth it. Absolutely, it's just, they it's are. just the well, and maybe you move you move Crone uh, to the first base, and then we got the new. Yeah, you get rid of Hosmer, it even gets <coughs> that much better. Um, so obviously, we're in the middle of a baseball lockout. Teams can't talk about players. Players can't talk to teams, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He's down in the Dominican Republic. A story comes out. That he's involved in a minor altercation. 
Oof. accident. Fight? No, not a fight. An altercation would make you think. I'll say incident, an incident, accident. Yeah. Yeah, so Padres don't know about it. He doesn't have to report it, but his dad comes out and says, oh, he's got minor scrapes on his hands and his legs. He was transported wasn't to a he hospital. Just in the ho- wasn't he just out of surgery? For his yeah. shoulders. For his shoulder. No, he hasn't, he hasn't had shoulder oh, surgery. Oh, he hasn't yet. Not oh, yet. Okay, okay. No, he's opted not to have this, the surgery. Oh. Listen, do what you want. You're 23-year-olds. You're, right, right. you're 23 years old. You're a stud. You're an awesome baseball player. But allegedly, a motorcycle is involved with this incident. Dude, no skiing. No pickup basketball. No, no motorcycle. motorcycles. No two-wheel vehicles or something you. like that. Isn't it? Yeah. Don't go swimming with great white sharks. Don't decide to Oh, wrestle. I thought you were going to say bow-legged women. <laughs> well, that too. Okay. <laughs> and don't go wrestle a tiger one day just because. Right. Wait till you're done playing baseball. Yeah, all right. So yeah, that's, that's what's going on. He'll be fine. Fernando yeah. Tatis Jr. Uh, next time you're on there, I'm going to talk about the sex toy ad. For the Olympic, for the Olympic curling team. Wow. Yeah. No. No, honestly. What? No, no. We're just gonna. We'll something flee. with a jab. No, you're not. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to picture this commercial. No, I think it was a curling handle, Russ. Or the Peloton thing with Sex in the City. That's another semi-sporty exercise story, right? Yeah. Semi-sporty exercise. Yeah. Another weird one. We'll catch that. Mike Costa, thanks so much, thanks buddy. Thanks for having me. Of course. Biggs is dead. And by the way, don't forget, <laughs> don't go swimming. With bow-legged oh, women. <laughs> I love to go swimming with bow-legged women and swim between their legs. Swim between their legs. Hi, I'm Carla Harris, Vice Chairman at Morgan Stanley and host of the award-winning podcast, Access and Opportunity. We're telling the stories of individuals working to drive change within their communities and sharing tangible examples of how ideas around equitable access and opportunity are being made real every day. So tune in, listen, and subscribe to Access and Opportunity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Need a last-second gift? Rethink it. The best gifts don't come with a price tag, and you can't buy them online. Patagonia and the Dirtbag Diaries present a four-part podcast series about unique gifts that change lives and bring people together outside. Give used, give back, give knowledge, and get inspired. Listen to the best gift on the Dirtbag Diaries podcast on Spotify. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. Welcome to the second of our special editions of the Sky News Daily Podcast with me, Dermot Murnahan. Now, uh, a dozen of our correspondents are joining me over three episodes in total to reflect on some of the the big, the momentous stories of 2021. So over the next half an hour in this podcast, we'll be discussing themes surrounding global security, 
the migrant crisis and politics. And as ever to discuss it all, I have a panel of Sky News's very best and biggest experts, our political editor, Beth Rigby, Dominic Waghorn, our international affairs editor, along with Sky correspondent, Ashna Hurinag. Uh, joining us remotely, our special correspondent, Alex Crawford, and Europe correspondent, Adam Parsons, welcome to you all. Well, what a lot we've got to discuss. Up first, uh, let's take you through some of the biggest global stories of the year. I will be a president for all Americans. I think it's a procession of, of the Taliban. Yes, it is. There's the white flag. These 20 years have felt like both a long time and a short time. This house has lost a steadfast servant. The title of the report is China's elite capture. I think Russia itself is, is moving from being an authoritarian state to being a much more totalitarian state. Well, a, a flavour, just a flavour of what's been going on in this momentous year. Dominic, we should, of course, start with you. And there's a kind of thread running through the Biden presidency. This time a year ago, as we heard there, he was president-elect, well, in most people's minds, uh, not in the in the sitting presidents, of course. Uh, and even before he, he came to power, there was the extraordinary event in the heart of Washington itself, in the heart of global democracy. Yeah, the event that that photograph behind you is, is, uh, is showing, uh, the assault on the Capitol. And I think we kind of forget, in a way, the year began with that. It seems to almost belong to a different time after a year of Biden in, in the White House. But it, it is a crucial event. And I think when foreign policy students come to study 2021 in, in, the, in the coming years, there are two key events. Obviously, the Afghanistan debacle, but also of equal importance is the assault on the Capitol. Because this was America turning it against itself, a sizable number of Americans um, desecrating the Holy of Holies in Washington, the high temple of, of their democracy, goaded on by their own president, who was peddling this grand lie that the election had been uh, stolen um, and uh, being helped and facilitated by social media. And, and the, the message to the world was that this was a, an America that was divided, riddled with self-doubt. And that is important in terms of our global security because it has, I think, uh, undermined the support or the, the confidence of allies in America, um, even though we have a new president. And, and the challenge for Joe Biden was to deal with that and also to see off enemies and rivals who've been emboldened, not just by the Trump presidency, but the CODA, the spectacular CODA that, that ended it. And, and his promise, Biden, was to, the, to bring back America. Uh, America is back, he said taking its rightful place in, in his mind as leader of the free world and um, enforcing the Pax Americana. After the four years he would regard as an aberration, America is back. Alex, uh, talk to us about, as uh, Dominic called it, and he wouldn't have been the first, the, the debacle of the withdrawal from Afghanistan and, of course, Britain intimately involved. Well, what a shameful episode of history, actually, international history, that whole... Um, period was. Still now, I'm getting emails and phone calls from people that we interviewed, uh, doctors, health workers in the hospitals, uh, female rights activists, who showed me pictures of them side by side with Laura Bush, the former first lady, working with the British military, arm in arm with British soldiers, American soldiers, uh, all sorts of international workers who now won't pick up the phone to them and won't, won't help them. And they're still ringing me and 
texting my producer and my team saying, please help us out, please get us out. I'm a journalist like you. Can you somehow get us out? The Taliban are knocking on our door. The Taliban's beaten my brother. The Taliban's killed my aunt. Please come and help us. So it's very difficult to have been involved in that story, very difficult to have... Um, stood in, in Afghanistan or in Kabul and talked to these people and say, you know those 20 years that you spent working side by side where you thought the future was different, the future was going to be bright and the, your international partners were going to stand side by side with you? It's very difficult to look them in the eye right now and say, yeah, they kept all their promises because they very definitely didn't. And Beth Rigby, I mean, from the... Um... From the British perspective, we're talking there about uh, its involvement in the withdrawal from Afghanistan. And in reality, if the Americans were going, there's very little mm. that the, the British could do. But, but overall, I suppose two questions or two halves to the same question. Where does Britain now see itself standing in terms of, of global Britain, that ambition post-Brexit? And, you know, what, what is the sense, because you've been to the summits, mm. and you know, what is the sense from, from other countries about Britain standing now? It's left the European Union. Well, I think there's an idealised vision that Boris Johnson has of global Britain, but when it rubs up with reality, it's a rather different thing indeed. And as Don was saying in terms of Afghanistan, uh, it was a unilateral decision by the US. The UK was blindsided. The UK was scrambling. And the UK, in a way, looked diminished on the world stage. Indeed, it was Theresa May, the former Prime Minister, who said in the Commons after that directly to the Prime Minister, to Boris Johnson, if the US had taken a decision, is global Britain so powerless, if you like, that it can't come up with an alternative, that it can't galvanise NATO? And it was a question of, well, actually, what does global Britain stand for if you are just the puppy, if you like, of the US in that situation? So I think there's one thing around the bilateral relationship and it being more important to the UK because of Brexit, the bilateral relationship with the US, but this being a US that is acting particularly unilaterally when it comes to decisions it's taken, because the reality is that on a global stage, Brexit has diminished the UK in that it's no longer part of the European gang, so that Biden might look to France or Germany to negotiate with that bloc rather than using that transatlantic bridge that was once the UK. And, uh, Ashton, in terms of global issues, uh, the one that uh, has never gone away and isn't going away, but all eyes have been on, on other things over the last year, but terror. And we've seen terror attacks, or alleged terror attacks, taking place on UK soil this year. Yeah, I mean, the tragic killing of um, Sir David Amos MP um, down in South End on Sea um, was, I, I suppose, the, sh the shock of it. Um, having sp been down, I, I mean, immediately I was sent down there and um, you sort of speak to people on the ground. And when growing up, I don't really know who my local MP was, to be perfectly honest with you, but this was somebody who everybody knew. Um, on the doorsteps, you'd be talking to people in the community. He was so well-loved. Everyone could agree, from close friends to charities to neighbours, everyone agreed that they might not have agreed with his politics, but this was a great man who not only cared about the national issues, but the local issues. Who cared about campaigning about the bus lanes? He, cam he campaigned about, um, you know, the, the high streets, in, in, in investing and invigorating local people to put South End on sea on the map. Um, but it was the brutality of his death that everybody... Um, that shook the whole community, and, and not only South End on Sea, but the whole of the UK as well. OK. A Adam, I want to talk to you about uh, global issues. And 
migration, of course, which we're going to discuss in another part of the podcast in more detail when it concerns the United Kingdom. But, of course, when it concerns uh, the European Union and the world, there's, there's a big crisis taking place in the European Union's eastern border. And it kind of relates as well to situations like Afghanistan, as we've been discussing. As long as those global debacles keep happening, there will be more migration. Yeah, this one is uh, this is on the, the effectively the border between Belarus uh, and, and largely Poland, and this one is is down to Alexander Lukashenko, the the leader of Belarus, elected in what I think we could safely describe as a, a contested election, what we might uh, also describe as a completely fixed election, and what Mr. Lukashenko then did was to invite uh, would be refugees, largely from uh, sort of a Iraq, but also, from, you know, putting the net out around the world and saying, if you can get uh, to Minsk, then I will try to arrange for you to get to the border. And by the way, if you get across the border into Poland, you can get to Germany, which, let's not forget, Germany takes by far the number, uh, the greatest number of migrants in the EU, a lot more than uh, the UK, let's say, uh, takes. Uh, so people flooded into Minsk, got taken down to the border. Unsurprisingly, Poland decided that this was the last thing it wanted. Ditto Lithuania, ditto Latvia, and, and created this pretty horrific standoff uh, with humans being used as bargaining chips. And Mr Lukashenko knew this. He knew it would cause enormous arguments. He knew the EU would struggle to come up with a concerted response, which it did. In the end, I think it took a lot of pressure from the United States, and it also took... Some quite clever sanctions, for instance, on not just sanctioning Belarus, that they've done that, but also threatening sanctions against airlines that were knowingly taking people uh, into Minsk. OK, well, uh, that's happening uh, on the eastern borders of the European Union, but uh, let's focus now on how migration is affecting the UK and relations between the UK and the EU. Cross-channel migrants normally operate in the shadows of night, but this is something profoundly different. Why did you risk her life to come across the channel? I'll never put you to She said, because that country is for the life. I have already approved maritime tactics, including boat turnarounds for border force to deploy. 15 men overboard, approximately 15 men overboard. I think it's rather regrettable, isn't it, that the first thing we wake up to is another blame game. 27 people died on November the 24th, though we all remember that. Ashna, you've reported from the beaches, from off the beaches. Just, just tell us some of what you've seen, your impressions. I've seen so many of those touchdown moments, of those landings on the beaches. And I think lots of people think that they look like um, the people stepping off those boats are ecstatic, that they're celebratory. In reality, they're exhausted, they're shocked, they're fearful. Everything looks different. They spent months travelling in the most dangerous way. And then to finally arrive onto the cobbled beaches of Kent, I always wonder, is it what they expected? Everything looks different. The landscape's different. People aren't speaking the language they're used to. They've finally made it to Britain. Is this, is this what they wanted? And, of course, they get shipped off to various houses, centres, across hotels across the UK. And so begins their refugee or asylum-seeking um, process. And that can take six months to two years... And the amount of money they get, I mean, it's pennies, really. It's about £30 a week. 
and suddenly they're having to adapt and integrate. And I do think a lot, and when I've spoken to a lot of them, um, in, in, you know, a few months after they've arrived, I spent a lot of time at, at the Napier Barracks in the surrounding area, which is a, a centre in Folkestone where a lot of the young men are, are, are housed. Um, and they're just, they're, they're almost a bit deflated because they're faced with a lot of animosity uh, from the communities there. But having said that, there's a huge charity, you know, scope. I mean, refugee crisis centres are, are quite remarkable in the work that they do. Um, but they, they're just, they're baffled, really, also, at the debate in all of this. Because they, they sort of, there's a sense of frustration. They not see why we're coming over. Look at our countries, look at our nations. It's also not an ambition that they'll stay here. They just want to work here, earn money, and then go back, perhaps. It's definitely a divisive issue well, down in Kent. That's really interesting to hear, because so, so now we have the opportunity to join up both ends of these long, long journeys, as you describe them there, Ashton, because, of course, we've got Alex here with us. Sue, Alex, of course, you've reported from so, so many of the countries where these journeys begin. And give us your sense of the, of the why, why people decide to leave the countries they're in. There are complex reasons, and also the role in facilitating that of the of the people smugglers, so-called. Yeah, and I think it's interesting listening to Ashna because they definitely do it as a very, very last resort. No, no one I know of, and as you said, I've seen it from the other end, where people are desperately trying to get in touch with the people smugglers. I've spoken to the people smugglers. They, they're, they're very, very upset about leaving their homeland. They're crying. They, they, all they've got is a bag. Sometimes they don't even have that. They don't, all they have is the clothes they stand on. A lot of them don't even have documents with them to verify who they are. Um, it's astonishing to me that I went on that, that journey from Turkey to Greece with a whole load of... Uh, at that time, there were Syrians and Libyans, Iraqis, on one of those dinghies. And it was a terrifying experience. And that only lasted a couple of hours. They've already done a huge journey, you know, crossing over mountains and um, putting their faith and sometimes all their money, everything they've got in the hands of uh, a people smuggler. And those people smugglers can be... A, a big range of them. You know, some of them, one of them, ones who was a young man that I was speaking to, was doing it because he felt it was a moral duty to help them. And then you've got the networks of the mafioso types who don't really care. They're numbers and they're just filling the boats and just sending them on the way. You give your money and whether you get over alive or not, you've lost that money. Well, let's go to those beaches of northern France. Adam's had plenty experience of what goes on there and what doesn't go on. And by that, I mean, you know, the, the French efforts or not to try to, to stop some of those crossings, but also touch on the people smuggling operation there, the, the, the kind of people that are willing to put these desperate people, these desperate families into, you know, inflatable dinghies. So while every politician on either side of the channel says we have to clamp down on people smuggler and you have this almost arms race between the British and the French about who hates people smugglers more. The reality is these people aren't, aren't going away. They are, by the way, making an absolute fortune out of this. But every time that I have spoken to migrants uh, in Calais or on the northern French coast, they're pretty much unembarrassed about saying they have to go to people smugglers. They don't think they have... Uh, any alternative. And so you do end up with, with, with these clusters of people suddenly appear on a beach. Now, normally it's happened at night. We had the extraordinary scene a, a couple of months ago when we were filming 
uh, on the northern French coast. We were on a beach talking to the French police who were there. And then about 100 metres away from us, dozens of people came running down, carrying an enormous boat, took it down uh, to, uh, to the shore, put it in the water, all with the French police watching, uh, and then spent ages trying to start this completely unsuitable engine in order to, to begin their voyage uh, across the channel. So in terms of what the French police do, well, in that case, they don't do anything. But this is, again, is a real source of tension because you've got, again, a big political row with the Brits saying, well, the French police should be doing a lot more uh, and, and we're giving them money. And then the French interior minister, Gerard Darmanin, said to me, well, we haven't had any money and we've spent a lot more. The reality is the French coast is very, very long. You'd need an armada, frankly, to seal that off night and day. OK, well, uh, Dominic, uh, Alex and Ashna, you can all go. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Beth, Adam and I uh, next are going to discuss more about those rows over fish and sausages as we look at political posturing, let's call it that, in 2021. Now then, it's not, of course, just been the migrant crisis issue causing tension between the UK and its European neighbours. Not by a long chalk. One of the staff members has come out and said no more petrol. It's stupidity that we're all queuing up, but this is my job, so I've got to have diesel. And there's being 100,000 drivers short of what we need across the UK, but the shortages are being felt right through the food supply chain. Imagine if Bratwurst could not be moved from Dortmund to Dusseldorf. With no more than five hours sleep a night, she's maintained an unlikely grip on power. Lass ich meine Kraft dem Wohle des deutschen Volkes. Well, let's discuss all that with uh, Adam Parsons and Beth Rigby. And, uh, Adam, we've talked, haven't we, on previous podcasts about um, the, the role of, of fish and the fishing industry uh, in this dispute between Britain and France. But, but just first of all, you know, explain for us the psychology from, from the French side about why it's so important. It's presumably as tiny a part of their economy as it is of the UK's. I think there's a few things at play here. I mean, you're right. It's a small part of the UK economy. It's a small part of the French economy. But in both cases, it has a symbolic importance that far outweighs any financial impact. So for the UK, I think this is about sovereignty. It's about controlling your waters. It's about making decisions about who can come in and who can't. For the French... Similar sort of things. It's also about here we have this historical precedent. Our, fr our fishermen have always gone out into these waters. Why should they be constrained now? Also, though, uh, Emmanuel Macron, he's got a presidential election coming up uh, early next year. And he knows that that region of France last time round teetered between him and Marine Le Pen. Uh, and he doesn't want that to happen again. He wants to look strong. He wants to look like he is, he is a big leader who is not afraid of taking on uh, battles. And that, by the way, isn't just about Brexit. That is a part of Emmanuel Macron's great vision of himself. In the absence of Angela Merkel, she's kind of gone now. He sees himself as the next European leader. Well, uh, from fish, let's uh, go to sausages. Sounds like a children's tea time, doesn't it? Fish fingers and sausages, uh, peas on the side, and you've got to eat those up. Um, Beth, why are sausages so important? And we're talking here about the Northern Ireland Protocol. 
Yeah, the reason sausages are so important, it's about how freely goods can move between Great Britain and Northern Ireland and, and sausages and other uh, meat products have been the subject of some tension, should we say, between the European Union and the UK government about how the protocol is being implemented. I mean, is it going to get sorted? Um, I mean, you know, the key question well, people want to know is, well, we thought this was done and dusted actually this time last year, just before Christmas. That's all sorted out now. Boris Johnson, two Christmases ago, had an election and said, you know, we've got an oven-ready deal, we've signed it off. Why are they still negotiating? Because the UK would argue that the protocol does not work and they need to look at it again, that it's not working and it's important for the sovereignty and the integrity of Great Britain and the United Kingdom. And the European Union would argue, well, hang on a minute, you signed the deal, you knew the terms of the deal, we will negotiate details of the implementation, but we are not ripping up this agreement and starting again, which is what the UK government would like to happen. So there is a stalemate at the moment. OK, Adam Parsons, Beth Rigby, brilliant talking to you both. And uh, just let me remind you that all of these special Sky News Daily podcasts with me, Dermot Manahan, are available on demand wherever you get your podcasts or videos from. Now, our next podcast, we're going to be discussing climate change, the royals and space. <laughs> Quite a mixed bag. Uh, this edition was produced by Annie Joyce along with Felix Forbes. Thank you very much indeed for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. Hey, do you love a good story? Great. Then you got to check out the Hashtag Storytime podcast. Each episode brings you the craziest, creepiest, and cringiest stories from YouTube, TikTok, Reddit, and beyond. My story is about the time that I was broken up with at the 9-11 memorial uh, twice. Look, the internet is a dumpster full of stories. And I, your host, Will McFadden, dive in headfirst, sift through the flaming trash, and bring you nothing but treasures. Listen to all 21 episodes of Hashtag Storytime now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So many of us do it every single year. We look at that first of the year and we say, here we go. I'm going to be an all-new me in this episode of <laughs> I Tell You What. So why then do we sit and binge movies and food and drinks this time of year knowing that we're just making it harder on ourselves on New Year's Day? Or do we just blow off the New Year's Day thing? And just not do something like that. I think it's always great to be a healthier you, but I think it's too much pressure. I think the mindset for people is like, all right, I'm really going to get after it come January 1st. So I'm going to eat what I want and what I can when mm -hmm. I want right now. And I, th I think that's the mindset of, of a lot of people. It's just like, eh, you know, throw caution to the wind. But when you look at stuff like all of the health concerns out there now, I think it's worse than it's ever been. I agree. So I think it's too much pressure to do it all in one day. But that doesn't mean I don't think you should do it. I think, I think you should do it, but you should ease into it now 
and enjoy some of the stuff that the holidays have. But look, it's not just the eating this time of year. It's the sitting. There's you go, you're racing up till Christmas, right? And then a little hustle and bustle. For some people, that's freaking exercise for the entire year. No, it is. <laughs> I know. They're going here, there, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're not running, but they're walking and they're going. They're, I mean, they're up and they're out, they're off their butts. But then after that, it's like that week between Christmas and New Year's when you're done with all the shopping mm-hmm. and you take some stuff back or whatever. But everyone, look, you order half this crap online now. Oh, yeah. So even that hustle bustle doesn't exist like it did years ago. So let's, I take my comment back a little bit. Sure, there's some people that this is the only time of year that they go out and get their exercise, but there's also a lot of people that just, I do it. Oh, order I did. On, order on Amazon and there you go. Yeah. We wonder why we're a fat society, right? <laughs> Yep. What's the answer? I don't I think you just I know a lot of people like a clean slate. Like a lot of people like to start on number 1. So January 1st is the the day to start. But you can start any other time. But no matter the date, no That's matter the, the rules, no matter the resolutions if you don't want to do it, then you're not going to do people it. People literally think they blew it on January 2nd or February 1st or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whenever they quit, whenever they get off the wagon. And then that that's it. They're like done till next year. There are a lot of people that still do that. It's right. that old mentality. It's like, okay, well, I blew it. Now they may eat a little bit less, but they're not. You see the gyms, man. Oh, gosh, yeah. It just diminishes by March. And I know a lot of it, the weather's getting better and everything else, but you don't always see those. You see a few, a little bit of a comeback, but you you don't see anything like January at the gym. I also feel like when it comes to, if we're going to focus on losing weight, I think when other people around you are doing it, then it's easier for you to do. So if everybody else is dieting, it's easier for you to diet. But And I think that's why everyone goes to the gym all together. But then people start to fall off. So all of a sudden you go to your friend's house and instead of having a nice wholesome meal, they're going to bring out the ice well, cream and the cookies. There's a disadvantage, I think, in Minnesota too. I think it gets so blasted cold. It does. That there are other people in other states that can get out and be more active that look Absolutely. forward to getting out and being yes. a part of boating or whatever. You know, And yes. here it's like you're looking at snow. And you're just, especially that week after Christmas, before New Year's, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, you're, you're kind of done. Maybe you take a few gifts back or whatever, but a lot of people, they just, they're just they just hunkered down, eating, watching movies because they get the week off of work. And a lot of people, my mom is one of them, so she suffers from seasonal depression. So the darkness for her is just unmotivating. And no matter the D-lights or the, the vitamin D that you take, it's just for some reason for her, she doesn't have that get up and go as much as she does you're in the gonna summer. have to keep an eye on her in all seriousness um because you just informed us that she's going to retire soon yes that's i mean i say it out of care not to i'm not giving oh, no, her crap that's fine. you gotta you know yes, as a so family now at least she's retiring it looks like coming up towards the spring where it's going to be a little lighter yep. outside more things to do but your mother is not you know she's not our age no you know and she's Going to be hunkered down more in the winter, and yeah, seasonal depression is real. We know yes. a lot of people that had it. No, she uh, she got it herself, which is very great, and she got her first ever gym membership, which she has never done before in her entire life. At how old? Seventy what? She is seventy five. <laughs> seventy five. She got her first gym yep. membership, and it That's was one crazy. Of the, it's my sister and I did talk to her, which is I'm actually glad you brought that up, Chris, because anybody who's going through it. But we asked, you know, what is something? What do you like to do? What are your top five things that you really, really enjoy doing? And then kind of being creative with it. You know, your mother? Like if you, she said, I love to walk. Well, that's not an option for her in the winter. And we don't want her to go out on the icy 
you yeah. know, on the I icy mean, there's, roads. You go to malls and that stuff. But sure, but she doesn't have an interest. People don't she, do that. My mom yeah. loves to shop, but she's not going to be one of those mall walkers. When the doors are closed, oh, yeah. she could throw something at the window to break it open. I don't sometimes. even see the mall walkers so much, but I'm not, I, you know what, I shouldn't say that. I've never I did during now. COVID. Uh, oh, did you really? A lot of the um, malls, instead of opening up at 10 o'clock like they usually did, would open up at 11. Just, yeah. And that's also due to a lack of employees at the time. Um, so I would see a lot of people walking around. Boy, they used to hit Mall of America all oh, the time. I know. That was all the rage back yeah. in the day, man. Isn't that funny? They would get there early, do level one, level two, and if they had enough, they were going to do level three. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Didn't it look like there was an event or a, uh, like a relay race Some almost when did. you would go in? Yeah. Some days it did. Yeah. I remember I doing events there. Uh, Thanksgiving morning, they had a big walkathon going on That's that morning. That's cool. Yeah. That's so, cool. Mac, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it's... Are you are you a January first gal, or are you a, like a screw that? I'm going to do it when I need to do it, gal. Um, I historically have been a January first gal, and I am someone who's like, who in the past has always been, oh well, I blew it, whatever, who cares, screw it, all that kind of stuff. But I will say this year with Minnesota fat loss, one of the things I learned just like it's such a mentality thing. It's mm-hmm. You aim for progress, not perfection. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're human. Notice how she's getting a little plug in for herself here. No, I'm just saying, like it's a it's a total. <laughs> me- just give me credit. Any commercial you watch, they're going to say the same thing. It like, is. You have you have to have the treats every now and then, mm-hmm. and the, and like right now, this time of year, you're surrounded by it. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. even in our break room yep. this morning, I walked by and there's like Starburst candy canes yeah, out there, or something like that. I mean, it's just one of those things you're getting together more often with people, it seems. And so I I would say that is like my biggest piece of advice is aim for progress, not perfection, because perfection doesn't exist. Nobody's perfect, you know, and you're going to have bad days or bad meals and that's OK. Mm-hmm. Um, you just you just look at how you feel after compared yep. to when you eat healthy or when you work out or whatever it may be. I think you got to. Burn a lot of it off, too. Meaning, I think, whether your mom's walking mm-hmm. at whatever age you can get away with it, you got to get some cardio. Because mm-hmm. there's nothing more mentally cleansing than cardio. Yeah. They say, what is it, 10 minutes on a bike or treadmill or walk, whatever yeah. it is. It makes a huge difference. When I'm, when yeah. I'm just kind of laying around, mm-hmm. like when I had this kidney thing a while back, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, couldn't do squat. Yeah. Man, it just weighs on you. Yeah. But now getting up in, and I'm not really a treadmill guy. I love running outside. If I'm if I'm to run, no. Do I love running? No. Let me. <laughs> no, I'm going to take everything back. Here's another one. I'm taking back. I don't love to run, but if I do run, I I prefer. Yeah. Love it as opposed to treadmills. Treadmills are just yeah. Mm-hmm. But getting outside and like I, the dog will run with me and all of that and mm-hmm. go down the paths. If I were to. If there was a time to love it, it was it's running, but it just makes such a difference when you get that in there. Yeah. As opposed to just all the dieting and stuff. Sure. I mean, you know, you lose weight and and watching what you eat and everything else, but there's really that component of exercise is like the biggest deal. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps a lot of the nasties away. You mm-hmm. know, seasonal depression, that stuff that your mom may have. Yeah. I get yeah. it to a certain degree. You know? Yeah. I've had it um in places where it's been cloudy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, my gosh. You need that sunlight. Oh, God, yeah. Get me some vitamin uh-huh. D. You Feels know? good. Yeah. But Minnesota typically, yeah, it gets cloudy like today and all that and the snow. But, you know, sometimes it's so freaking cold. It's too cold <laughs> for clouds. 
you yes. know, but just coming that beam through the window and everything, and then you hit the treadmill. I think I told you that uh, a couple of years ago and now almost when I got diagnosed with my depression. That was the first thing she said to me was, do you exercise and do you take vitamin D? Mm-hmm. And I did both, and she said, okay, exercise is great, but vitamin D, double it. Double your dose in the winter because yeah. it just, at that particular year, um, we went, I think, like three, like the whole month of January, we only got sun like three days, maybe. Nothing. So, you know, she's like, definitely take you just take basic steps to take care of yourself and yep. all that kind of stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Working out in a nutshell or whatever you want to call it, getting in better shape and basically, you know, feeling good. A lot mm-hmm. of it after the holidays, too. People go into a depression after the holidays. Mm-hmm. They do. Oh, it's, it's, it's very real. <laughs> it's totally real. I mean, everybody's happy, happy, and then boom, just a couple yeah. short days, and then foof. And when you're up here in Minnesota, mm-hmm. not everybody, but a lot of people, they look forward to you know, another three months of Holiday hangover pretty, is what I like oh, to call it. Just brutal. Can be. Um, thanks for listening to our episode of I Tell, Tell You what. what. You'll find more right over here. iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcast, you can rate, review, and subscribe there too. Hey, do you love a good story? Great. Then you got to check out the Hashtag Storytime podcast. Each episode brings you the craziest, creepiest, and cringiest stories from YouTube, TikTok, Reddit, and beyond. My story is about the time that I was broken up with at the 9-11 memorial. Twice. Look, the internet is a dumpster full of stories, and I, your host, Will McFadden, dive in headfirst, sift through the flaming trash, and bring you nothing but treasures. Listen to all 21 episodes of Hashtag Storytime now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.